Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society. I'm Annie Joy, and me and Julie are on a mission to teach the tools to help us to build a kinder Zion. Join us for today's conversation because there's always room on the pew for you. All right, friends, welcome back. Here we go. One more time. Everybody's feeling fine. Here we go now. Here we go now. Here we go. Here we go. the glow. Oh, well done, Julie. Well done. That was good. Thank you so much. Welcome back. We're so happy to have you here, everybody. We're excited to share this exciting new idea we have, and it's called Love Your Enemy. Yeah. We didn't make it up. It's actually, it's actually a message from God, but we're here to share it with you. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make it up but we are here to spread the good news yeah we're, we're here to pontificate upon this this topic yeah shed a little oh light gosh. oh my gosh i can't well i mean if you start out in sync you it can only go uphill from here you know <laughs> for sure you were pretty <laughs> far downhill we're, no i'm just being like trajectory no matter what you know, I'm just saying, like, it's it's a great way to start. Therefore, it can only get better. Oh, you know? not how you presented that information. That is not. You're right. It's not. <laughs> My point is that I'm already excited about where this is going. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Oh, yeah. We're excited. Well, everybody, we've started with NSYNC. We're excited to share how we can oh, love your enemies. Oi. Oi, oi, oi. It is. That, that is a tough one. Yeah, start me out, Annie. Hit me. Like, listen, so in the scriptures, it says in Matthew, it's like, you've heard it been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But Christ is teaching, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is a very common scripture. Great. How the heck do we do that? So that is today's conversation. How do we do that? And even in Third Nephi, they talk about how the spirit of contention is not of me, but of the devil, who's the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger, one with another. And President Monson also taught that anger is Satan's tool, for to be angry is to yield to the influence of Satan. No one can make us angry. It is our choice. Anger is the way to division and enmity. We move toward loving our adversaries when we avoid anger and hostility toward those with whom we disagree. It also helps if we are willing to learn from them, which I think is beautiful. I want to make a point, though, that I don't think just being angry means you've infl been influenced by Satan. Like, anger is a valid emotion. I think right. the point is when you stay in anger, that's when it can poison you. So not necessarily feeling the anger, I don't think is the problem per se. I think the anger is a cue for you. Like, oh, something's off and it might require further investigation. So yeah, most of the time we lean it. Uh, and maybe this is what they mean is like, you know, anger, they say is like a secondary emotion, right? And maybe that's why it has a little bit more of Satan's got more power in it because we're not really getting to the root of what's going on. Yeah. So Satan's yeah. having us attack any other thing, but what we really should be thinking about, right? Like. I'm angry at this and this and this when really it's like, I have some hurt feelings about the fact that I'm feeling unloved and unseen. Right. So what if yep. I could get to a place where I felt loved and seen 
and I didn't have to dwell in this anger zone for so long, you know? And I think that's yeah. where Satan has power anytime that we're hanging out in, not in our real depths of self, you know, we're just only giving into the, Jake always says it's our monkey brain, right? It's the tip of like, it's, I want to eat. I want to, I want to play. I want to throw poop at the wall. You know, it's like yeah. anything the monkey is wanting to do rather than our deep spiritual self. And maybe that's where anger lies. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean it's not really a part of us and it's not real and it doesn't have a place of value, but it's like, okay, but what if we dig a little bit deeper to the human side of anger, what does that mean? Or to the spiritual side of anger, like where are you really coming from? Yeah, I think that's true. And I think sometimes anger is just on its own. Like something might come up and it's like, oh yeah, I'm angry because of that. Like sometimes I think it can be the main thing going on, but just like every feeling, feelings just give us information. Hmm, my inner peace is off because I'm sad, I'm disappointed, I'm scared, I'm nervous, whatever. Like whatever the feeling is, it's just giving us information about what's mm -hmm. going on in our brain. So I think anger is the same way. And I love what you said though, about if we kind of latch onto that anger, then we're missing like the underneath part of like, oh, maybe it's because my feelings are hurt or maybe because I'm really scared right now. Like before we started this episode, I found my daughter outside selling cotton candy by herself. And I was like, sister, you cannot just be out here by yourself. Just like selling cotton candy to r random strangers. She did though. The sweet old lady gave her five bucks. Like, okay. But I realized at first I was kind of mad. I was like, oh, it's because I'm nervous that something's going to happen to her. She's out here by herself. Like she knows the rules. You can't be out front without a grown up. And so what's underneath that? Because it's quick and easy to go to anger, right? It takes more work to dig underneath that. Like, oh, what's really going on here? Oh, I love my daughter and I'm really nervous about her doing something while I'm trying to get some work done that could potentially put her in danger. And so that, anyway, that's what it's really about is I'm worried about her because I care about her. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, please also don't rip off the old lady because her cotton candy was, I mean, like three shreds of cotton candy for a dollar. Here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations. I have found that when kids run stands like this, it's so much more that the people just appreciate they're doing this. We had dudes that would like, some guys rolled up and spent 20 bucks. He just like handed the kids a 20 and drank a drink of lemonade. Yeah. So I think it's her ingenuity that the woman is paying for rather than oh, probably 100%. the presentation like... of the sweets. <laughs> the, <laughs> the actual cotton candy is probably not showing up. Probably not. It is true. Annie, so what are some things that make you angry? Oh, gosh. Things that make me angry? Yeah. There is a lengthy list. Um, <laughs> it makes me really angry when my kids hurt each other. That's one of my biggest triggers for sure. I do not like being yelled at. Mm -hmm. at all I do not like being overly criticized here's the thing I can absolutely accept feedback I have several people in my life that will tell me like hey maybe think about this or whatever and that's totally fine with me but people get really critical and like mean how they be critical yeah like that. that makes me really angry I get pretty triggered by that too I get really angry when I feel like someone's not listening to me like I'm trying to express how I feel about something I get really angry when like um, entire bowls of milk fall on the ground. That makes me really angry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wasting food. Like, why? I get really angry when I spend all day, prepare, like I've grocery shopped, I've planned a menu, I've now executed said menu, and then no one eats it. Oh, and yeah. I think to myself, 
I hate this life. <laughs> yep. yep. I also I hate really being late to school that. in the morning. That drives me bonkers. And I'm like, you guys get in the frigging car. Let's go. Like having yeah. to fill out the thing, the late slip makes my blood boil so very much. I'm like, I did my best. Okay. I did my best. And I get really angry when I feel like anybody is threatening my kids. Like I'm having to defend Charlie a lot in school right now. He's struggling really, really bad and he's really defiant and he's been just kind of a lot. And I feel really defensive because I feel like everybody at the school kind of dislikes him. And so I'm angry about that. I'm having some real heat. There's days where it's like, breathe, breathe. Cause yeah, if I have to walk into the school and face everybody, I've got to be calm. Cause I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I feel that. I've definitely felt that with like defending things on the school level for Evan too. And and yeah, you, you are doing a lot right now with Charlie. That is annoying. So any of you listening, you know, you probably relate to any or all of these and maybe you've got a few more to add to the list. Right. You angry, you know, but we're just going to be real with you. We got plenty of things that make us T.O.'d. Isn't that Napoleon Dynamite when he says, I was T.O.'d? I think so. I think it is. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So there's lots and lots of things. So I developed this little workbook thing a long time ago. And I even, there's an episode, if you go back to the very beginning, like the first couple episodes, I think it might be episode three, something like that. I go through this process in that episode, but it was a long time ago. And I don't expect you to go all the way back to that one if you don't want to. So I kind of wanted to review this process again, because this is what helps me the most when I have got big feelings coming up, whether it's anger or sadness or even anxiety, I'll go through this workbook to help myself process through what's going on. Do you want to do one of yours or do you want to do one of mine? You choose. I don't care. You can coach me. You want to coach me? Okay. Well, let's just, just let's walk it through. Coach me. Good luck. Let's walk it through. Okay. What, what Sometimes you- I block my emotions. Sometimes we all do. It's fine. Okay. So what's one of the things that really makes you angry that you want to walk through? Well, let's think about the idea because what we're really hoping to do is to forgive, to love our enemies, right? Yes. hundred percent. So I think I really probably need to deal with some of the stuff with Charlie's mom. So I know that that sounds terrible that she would be my, my enemy, but for any of our new listeners, I have one son that is adopted. He is our nephew. And his mom is my sister-in-law. So I've got lots of ancient history with her through, like, you can imagine the anger and the hurt feelings that were spread by both of us during a time when she was losing her son. And I was like really trying to advocate for both of them. And there were lots of really terrible things said. And, and now I'm still having to deal with the relationship because we're all connected and she's his mom. So it's a really tough situation. And yeah, I do find myself like having to figure out how to love her. Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing is, is that sometimes we hear the word enemy and it feels extreme, but like it, anybody that you have discord with or that you really struggle with, I think you can consider that your enemy, like someone that you are not easily loving and leaving it where it is, you know? Hmm. Okay, so the in my process, the first step is curiosity. Like you have this big feeling come up, but maybe something happens, Charlie's mom, or for whatever example you're thinking of in your head, the person that you're dealing with, they do something 
and it's impacting you. You feel super hot and bothered. You're angry. The very first part of my workbook, I have, I have would have you write down, but there's a part where it says like, what happened? You can just kind of do a thought dump. Like, here's what happened. Here's my thoughts. Here's my feelings. And then we start okay. asking ourselves questions to kind of start coming out of that. And this well, let's part- word vomit it. You ready? Okay, let's do it. Give you a little scenario. So we went down to my mother-in-law's house and we were hanging out and we have asked everyone in the house to please not overfeed my son sugar. He has, he gets really triggered by it when he's eating a lot of it. He deals with a lot of anger. He's really aggressive. So we have like tried very much to not have that be as much in his diet. And when we went, and even though we've asked them not to do that, she gave him two full-size candy bars and another candy without telling me. So then when I was giving him treats at the house, it was double dutied, right? Oh, yeah. And um, and then also, like, she'd given him a present. And, like, I've asked her not to do that because we have we have four other children that are also her nieces and nephews. And then we get problems and discord around the kids that, like, don't get presents when he gets presents. So the mind dump would just be that, but I was livid. We've limited our amount of time that we even allow her to be around him. And then here she had this opportunity to be around him and she completely breaks trust. I was was so mad. Oh, it caused a huge fight on the way home in the car with Charlie and it was awful and it was really bad. It was so bad. Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, always, that is really hard. What you're dealing with is hard. Being yeah. a foster parent and an adopted parent is hard. And having to deal with a child that's your family, but not your child is hard. So all of this is hard. So then if we're like, okay, we want to try to find a place of peace though, right? To love the enemy to me means I find peace, mm. right? Like I'm deciding that I'm going to be okay with myself regardless of this person. So I have a series of questions. There's five questions per section. And they don't always all apply, but it just gives you several opportunities to kind of dig into like the curiosity piece, because I really do believe that when we get curious, we're going to get compassionate. And if you're not compassionate yet, you haven't asked enough questions. Right. I haven't gotten curious enough. So these are just a couple examples of questions and we don't even have to go through all of them. But the first one that I always go to is why does this bother me so much? So why do you Mm -hmm. think the sugar thing bugs you so much? Well, it bothers me a little bit because she gets to be the Disneyland parent and give him what he wants the most. And I'm the one that has to maintain boundaries. And then also I'm the one that deals with the repercussions because when we're going home and he's having the crashing, I mean, the, the rise from the sugar, I'm the one that's dealing with the anger. I'm the one that's dealing with his outbursts and his craziness and stuff like that. So then I think probably even a little bit deeper than that, the inside layer is that he values that she gives him everything he wants. And that's hurtful when I can't give him everything he wants. You know, someone who really is a real mom and a real caregiver can't give their child everything they want. Right, right. Is it wouldn't be in their best interest, right? Right. Okay. So then their question is like, is there a need not being met for you? Hmm. Yeah, I would think that I would like ideally, and I don't know that we'll ever meet this, but I would like her to esteem the fact that I've done this thing for her child. She still is at a place where 
I'm the enemy a little bit rather than grateful for what I've done. Right. For sure. And then, so then maybe the need then there is to like from gratitude, grace, gratitude and some grace for sure. Mm -hmm. But like we talked about before, having waiting for someone else to give us those things may not ever come. So right. then, what could then be, well, can I give myself this, this need that I'm needing? Can I give myself grace? Can I give myself gratitude? Cause she may not ever give it. Right. And right. So, or, or could you maybe have that need met by someone else? Could that be possible? And these are, and the thing is with all of these, they're not like a right or wrong. It's just a place to explore. Yeah. So yeah. Like, I think I've had to do that. I've had a couple of moments where in our relationship in time, you know, there's been bad moments where I've expressed things with Charlie and I've thought, did I even do the right thing? Like me adopting him, should I have done this? Did I do the right thing? And then on the reverse side of that, I was sitting at like his kindergarten graduation. And I thought he is having a kindergarten graduation right now because of me. This is not a gift that would have been afforded him if he was still with his biological mom and she wouldn't be here. And I thought the same thing at his baptism. And so I, I have been able to like, show myself gratitude and and uh, grace for that which is perfect and if, if it's a relationship where you can communicate those things then maybe when you recognize like oh there's a need not being met maybe you can communicate that need to this person the other party in the relationship but if they will not then how can you meet it for yourself and finding that for myself too makes me allows me to show forgiveness to her because i'm able to understand that she's not at a place where she can give that to me, but I don't, I don't need it from her anymore. So I don't have to hold a grudge against her that she's not grateful for me. I'm sure there's times it will still come up and I still feel resentful, but for the most part, I don't, I don't desire, want, or need her to feel like I'm doing a good job or that she's grateful for what I've done. Do you know what I'm saying? So maybe in the beginning, that was the need not being met. But as yeah, you for continue sure. to meet it for yourself, then it right. allowed you to have that grace for sure. That's yeah, a perfect exactly. example. Yeah. So then the next question in this piece is, is there a boundary being crossed? And you did say like you would set the boundary. Because sometimes right. when someone has a situation, they didn't know there's a boundary that they had set. But in your story, you said clearly this was the thing and it wasn't being mm-hmm. listened to. Right. So that one's yes, because you expressed, no, don't give them sugar. And then the next question is, what am I making it mean about me? So when she's crossing the boundary and giving them a bunch of sugar, when you've told her not to, what are you making it mean about you? I'm not fun. I'm not awesome. I'm not like just go with the flow and whatever. And who cares? Right. I'm not enough. Yeah. Right. And so being yeah. aware of that is good. Cause you're like, Oh, this is what it's really about. This is about triggering mm-hmm. my belief about myself that I'm not those things. Right. And asking yourself, is that even true? I'm not his biological mom which in some ways is a little devastating, right? Yeah. There's part of that that is a devastating reality, but I can't meet that need for him. Yeah. Right. So then the other question in this curiosity piece, and for those listening, we're going to, we're going to cruise through this a little bit for the sake of time for your guys's benefit. We're not going to dive super deep into all of these. I just want to give you an idea of what this looks like so that you have an example of it. But then the other question in the curiosity piece is, where have I experienced this before in my life? So those feelings about not feeling enough, not feeling like you're going to fun enough. Where have you experienced that before? I don't know. I probably experienced it with my own kids too, or 
I'm sure that there's parts of me as a child that has felt that way. Yeah. I don't know if I could be specific right now as I'm thinking okay. about it. Yeah, but. well, I'm putting you on the spot for sure. But I think it just, it, and this would not be like a quick process. That's why I want to make it clear for our audience. This may not be just like bam, bam. I am, yeah, I am doing this on the fly just so everyone knows. Yes, we, we are but, really on the spot. But, but I can see where you're saying that if I'm holding on to something from my past, how can I forgive or how can I live with this enemy that I'm making an enemy and maybe partially they're my enemy, but it's something that's deeper for me. Yeah, like I'm held up on something, right? Totally. Like for me with one of my exes, actually several of them, with them being like hurtful or yelling at me, those things are triggering for me because they remind me of what my mom did. And so it's just, it is very powerful to take some time and be reflective of the feelings that are coming up for me and all these other questions I'm answering. Where has this happened before? Because that's probably why it is so upsetting because it's happened before. And so- that these are all those pieces to be curious about what's going on for yourself and to be aware of what's going on for you. And then the next piece is compassion. And it's still kind of a curiosity space, but it's a little bit leaning towards the other person. So when we go to this compassion section, then the next question is, how can I nourish and love myself right now? So let's say this is a big upset. Julie, when this was happening and you know, you're driving home that day and the mom has like done all these things and you're so livid and all the stuff like how in those types of moments could you nourish and love yourself when you're having those big feelings that's hard what are some suggestions you have oh I love that I love that and here's the thing friends is that we all have a hard time when it's like in the moment right unless we really practiced it it's a skill and so when I'm having real big feelings oftentimes I'll give myself some quiet space so I can sort through my thoughts and feelings I also I'm a big fan of journaling if I can write it all down, sometimes I can talk to someone like vent it out. That's very helpful. And that will nourish my brain so I can get out the thought process, but someone's not always around. And so being able to write it down is a way to show love for myself because I'm okay, here's a situation, but then show myself grace in the process. Or if I'm really upset about like my ex saying something or my mom saying something or something that goes on, then there's even times when I'll even like squeeze my own arms. And give myself compassion of, okay, you're okay. You got this. Like you're Annie freaking Carter. You can do anything. We're going to be okay. And like give myself some love and grace in that moment. So I like to start this section off with showing love to ourselves because this next part, we have to dig a little deeper of, okay, what else could be true about the situation? So going back to the situation, what else could be true? And you've kind of healed through this a bit. It's not like it's a super fresh story right yeah but I think what you're saying is is like the one way I could look at it is that she doesn't like me she doesn't listen to anything I say right she just would rather not do it for me she'd rather make it so that it's a terrible thing that I have to deal with right or I can give some compassion and look at her and go she has nothing else to offer she's doing yeah. the best she can and unfortunately for her candy is what she has to offer to this kid right yeah. And she's hoping and wishing for connection and compassion. And she's hoping for him to love her and want to be with her. And so that is like her gateway. Like, that's all I have is this candy. I've got this candy that's here right now. These gifts that are here right now. I have nothing else to actually offer him emotionally. And so that's where I'm able to meet her in compassion, right? Is being able to uh, look at the situation and go, Okay, why is this person doing that? Right, 100%. And 
So for you, knowing that that was enough to be like, okay, I can have some compassion. If you're still struggling with compassion, another question is what might be going on with them? So you're thinking about her, what might be going on with her as she's like continuing to break your boundaries and do all these things to be the fun Disneyland mom, what might be going on with her? Right. I mean, she's definitely someone who struggles with addiction. She's someone who's had a lot of loss in her life. She's someone who has not been able to really live out the life that I think she probably dreamt that she could have. And she, she wants connection. I mean, I think every single person in this earth wants connection and she's broken a lot of connections in her life. Yeah. I think that's beautifully said, which is perfect for the next question, because the next question is how are they feeling? And can I relate? And we don't always know how they're feeling, right? No, but can I relate? That's interesting. Yeah. Can I relate? That's interesting. Yeah, because I think when I think about it, I think that I think about her as the other. I think about her as like, well, she's feeling this way and she's feeling that way. But I'm thinking to myself, have I ever felt like I have nothing to offer or I'm not connected or I wish I was connected to someone or I wish I had more to offer my kids or I wish that I was a better parent. So that's an interesting thing because I think that I've thought about her feelings and I've empathized with her, but I don't know that I have looked at the parallel between us. Hmm, That's interesting. Yeah. Take some time with each one of these questions, but yeah. Can I relate to how they're feeling? And I remember when it was probably a few months after my divorce had been filed and there was an order protection in place and my in-laws were not talking to me. And at the time it really hurt. I was devastated that not only did I lose a marriage, I lost an entire family. And Mm -hmm. I remember just really struggling with, I poured my heart into those relationships. All of his friends stopped talking to me. There was this entire community that became distant from me and it was so painful. And I was very, very, very angry and hurt. And then I remember I was actually at a retreat that I was speaking at. And so it's probably like six months in or so after my divorce had been started. And we were kind of going through a similar process of just kind of exploring about the other person's perspective, things like that. And I remember I had this overwhelming feeling come to me of like, you know what? I I would be mad if I was them too, because there was a, a lot of situations going on that didn't allow them to see my kids for the summer. And it's a long story and not one that I'm going to share on this platform, but they weren't able to see them for a while. And it was painful for everybody involved. And mm-hmm. it was really hard for me to not feel supported. And all I could see was like, I'm not being supported. And I was so mm-hmm. angry with them. And then all of a sudden it flipped the script of like, well, if you couldn't see them for three months, wouldn't you be sad too? And mm-hmm. I remember having this softening. I don't know other word to describe it, but like all the walls around my heart just softened. They're just, at the end of the day, they're just missing the kids. They're hurting for their son. At the end of the day, they just care about their family. And I can relate to that. Uh-huh. Here's the thing, relating to someone's feeling doesn't mean you agree with the behavior, right? I may have handled it differently. And that's where I got really stuck was like, well, I would have handled that differently. If I was in their shoes, I would have handled it differently. And you might've felt the same way about Charlie's bio mom. Like, well, if I was in a situation, I do it different. Well, yeah, yeah, you're a different person and you have different experiences, different education, different connection to God, probably like I have a different 
experience than they do. So why am I judging them? Why am I holding them to a standard that they couldn't do? Cause they're not me. Yeah. And not that I'm better than anybody else. It's just, I, I would handle it different, maybe not better, but I would handle it different because I'm a different person. And so when I had that realization, all of a sudden it was just was like, oh, oh, oh. And then I let it be. And, and eventually I have built relationships with most of my in-laws and like beautiful relationships with my in-laws. And we've talked through a lot of things. There's been some really good healing conversations, but the forgiveness started for me before they even started coming back around because I was able to find yeah. that space. So then the last question in this compassion piece is, can I acknowledge that they matter too? And that can be really hard. Yeah, that is the final component, right? That one right there, you're like, because my whole body, like, wants to say no. Like, <laughs> but my soul feels light and bright when I think of that idea, when I think of being able to get to that point. But my body must be like, no, I do everything. I do all the work. I'm doing everything for this kid. But I can tell that, like, there's a spiritual desire for me to say yes, like, that I spiritually want to be to that point. And I think I've been at that point at different places. And I kind of have to go re-through this process every time we interact. I mean, finally, at this point, I've had to create even tighter boundaries to where we just can't really be around her at this point. And I know it sounds silly. It's candy. It's not that big of a deal. It was a really big deal, though. The outcome of it was a really, really ugly fight that with Charlie that was awful and terrible. And so I've had to maintain even tighter boundaries. But I can see that I would be more free, right? And I think that's kind of the gift. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here is like, God's desire is for us to be able to, to be free and to, to love them in a way that becomes fulfilling to us and becomes light and bright to us. Yeah. And like you said, the light and bright to your soul. But yeah, your body wants to say, no, they don't matter. But really, if you really dig in and you have a conversation with Heavenly Father, and here's the thing, I would highly recommend making Heavenly Father be a part of this process. Like call upon the Savior's atonement to walk you through these questions because there's going to be amazing things that happen when you invite the Spirit into the process of like, Heavenly Father, can you please send your Son and His power to help me through this and allow the Spirit to whisper the messages I need to hear? Here's the thing. When I go through this process, the one, my shortcut version is, why does this bother me? Can I acknowledge they matter too? <laughs> Those are my two shortcuts. Why does this bug me? And can I understand that they matter? And can I acknowledge that? So that leads us then into this communication connection piece. So once we kind of get our place, our, once we, hold up, okay. Once we get our heart to a place of compassion that is when the best things are created. When we're still in this angry, bitter place, that's when we have like Carrie Underwood, like digging keys into cars, you know? <laughs> Just so y'all know. <laughs> that's the one. That is it, Julie. Thank you. So when we're in that space, that's the result we get, right? When we have a heart that has become soft, then we can communicate with other people in a way that will bring a closer connection, right? So then when we're in this space, the next question for this phase is what do I want to believe and how do I want to feel? 
So with Charlie's mom, what do you want to believe about that relationship? And how do you want to feel in that relationship? I want to believe that her desire to to be connected to Charlie is why she's acting the way she's acting, right? I think that's beautiful because and this is not like a unrealistic belief, right? We can't say, well, I want to believe that she is, I don't know, some ridiculous thing, right? That's a realistic belief to step into. That she's trying her best and this is how she's trying to connect. Yeah. That leaves you in a space of like understanding and empathy for her. Mm -hmm. I want to feel, I mean, there would be an ultimate goal, but I think if we're loving our enemies, then they're still in a state of being an enemy. Right. So like my ultimate goal. And, and I think if we think too lofty, sometimes like I wish that there was a point where she could come to his soccer games and be a whole and healthy person and be able to be a major part of his life in a very healthy way and a respectful way and all of those things. But that wouldn't necessarily make her my enemy. So that's not the hard part. If that dream right. came true, then we wouldn't be enemies. We'd be friends. So right. if I'm trying to love my enemy, which is right where she's sitting, is that I just want to feel like that I don't have hatred in my heart for her. Yeah. Because here's the thing, I'm and I'm going to point this out because this is part of the coaching, right? Is that the scenario you talked about, that was all about her changing, right? Like her being a different right. person. And right, right, right. It's about what do you want to believe about her and how do you want to feel about her, which is mm -hmm. totally independent of her behavior. Right. And what I hear you say right now is that you want to feel peace. Right. Like you don't want to feel this, this yucky hatred taking over your life. That you want to be able to see the things she does and maybe some feelings come up. So I think it's almost like getting to peace quicker because mm -hmm. we're not the savior and we're not just walking around like these peaceful beings all the time. And so maybe when it does come up, you want to feel peace sooner than you have in the past, which is beautiful. The next question is, what resources do I have that will help me in this situation? So you're dealing with this. This person's not going away. So what resources do you have in your life that will help you? I have fabulous friends. I have a husband who's amazing. I have a therapist. Excellent. <laughs> As of late. <laughs> Which is yep. great. And I have the savior and I have an understanding of the atonement and the plan why we're here. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. So then what steps can I take that will lead to my own healing? So when you're in those moments and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. What can you take that will help you in your healing? I think I would like to, number one, we really have created new boundaries, which I feel very, very good about. I need to have those boundaries for my sanity. I think also I'd like to be more prayerful for her. I think when I pray for that person, I'm able to see just a little inkling of how God feels about them. And his mom had a lot of issues before Charlie was a part of the picture, right? And God loves her. And every time I go to the temple, I write her name on the temple roll on the prayer roll and I'm very mindful of her, but I do think that if I was a little bit more thoughtful of that in my day-to-day -day practices of seeing her in a compassionate way, that would be really, really helpful. And I think that processing with people that are safe when something happens is a really important thing for me too. I love that. Those are all incredible steps you can take. Cause again, it's focusing on your healing and 
that's the beautiful part of it is that the savior is there to help us with our healing regardless of the other person's actions so the next question is can i create space for some grace for their actions and i feel like you've kind of already answered this you have created that space because you're having some compassion for her but i add this question in there so that when you're going through this process if you're still kind of hanging on a little bit like this reminder can i create space for grace because I need grace in my life. So can I create some space for them to have grace? And then the last question is, how can I communicate my thoughts and feelings in a way that's loving to me and to them? How can I create words that will be loving, that will be direct, that will be kind to both of us? And there, it, it is possible. And if you, any of you are like, man, this sounds great. But like, I don't think I could do that. Certainly would love to help you. This is what I do with clients and I do it myself all the time. I walk myself through this constantly. And sometimes when you can't have that conversation with the person, you yeah. can have it for yourself. I walked in on Adelaide, my 13-year-old, the other day, and she was on her bed and she shoved this paper under and I was like, what was that? I was sure it was something. I was like, what? What is it? Show me the pornography. I was like, what do you have on your bed? Show me. She was so startled and worried about it. And show me what it is. She's like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I was like, show me what it is. And she's like, it's just, it's a burn page. And I was like, what? And she had had this big fight with a friend and she wrote out all of her feelings and there were naughty words on there. It was pretty vehement. And I said, were you going to give this to her? And she goes, no, it's just how I feel. And I was like, this is so awesome. And oh, she yeah. goes, right and burn. That's a great process. I yeah. was like, this is so healthy, honey. That's great. I said, you were not going to give this to her. You don't plan to say these things, but you are giving them life energy and you're owning the feeling and then you're letting it go. I was like, that is so healthy. I have to maintain a relationship with this person. That's a sacred relationship. Charlie, at some point will be, you know, looking for her and want to connect to her. And I have to preserve that trust with him that I have done my best to include her. She may not be worthy of all of that, but it will be on her. It won't be on me. Right. I just think if you need to also, I don't know, do a burn page, you know, right. Being able to express yourself and still feel like you're being heard, even if the conversation can't physically truly happen with the person, some of it might even be the person's dead right? Like you could be processing and still holding place for an enemy of someone who's passed on and you have really hard feelings with them. Or it could be someone that just, it's not even safe to address that with anymore. The person could be completely out of your life on purpose and needs to be out of your life and you should never have to. But I think being able to communicate that thought to that person is an important step. Yeah, absolutely. But it's doing it in a way that, you know, is kind of loving to both people. But like you said, not can you can't always communicate that to the person. So then, yeah, the writing and burn situation, like talking to a friend, like there's other ways for you to communicate what's going on within you, even if you can't talk to that person about it. But that it can be hard to know how to say those things or how to phrase in a way that is loving and kind to other people. And so I would love to help you if you need help with that. That is one of my greatest passions is helping people love themselves and be able to communicate better because I have watched it in my own life, be able to, how I say things makes a difference. Our words matter. And so, and I love taking people through this process. I love being able to help them dig a little deeper in those things. This is such a powerful way for me to get clear on what's going on for me. Because when I get clear on what's going on for me, then I can do something about it. When I'm wallowing in the anger, when I'm, 
you know, or the sadness or the resentment, I can get really resentful. That is something that I struggle with sometimes is being resentful. And so when I stay in that space, nothing's getting created. There's no connection happening. And oftentimes what I'll tell people is that conflict is inevitable. Conflict is always going to happen. Contention's the choice, but conflict can lead to contention or it can lead to connection. You decide. And how we decide that is by what we do with the conflict, because we can either approach it with like a, hey, we have a problem here. We're going to work together to solve it, or we're going to stay stuck in a warring heart that says you're the enemy and I'm right. So to wrap this up, there's also a talk by Elder Oaks called Love Your Enemies. And there was a quote from there that he said, when we're trying to understand and relate to people of a different culture, we should try getting to know them. And I thought that was a really powerful thing that when we get curious, we find out about people's stories and about their backgrounds and about them. It's really, really hard to hate them when we get to know them. So yeah. I really love that he says that because that is so powerful that when we understand people a little bit better, it's going to soften our hearts. We may not ever be best friends and wear best friend sweaters. Like that's not a thing, right? Can and we get uh, best friend sweaters? I mean, we should get one, me and you, but like- I have best friend sweaters you might not have that you know <laughs> before my grandma passed away I remember telling her because her and my mom fought for years years and years and years finally like on her deathbed they worked it out but but I remember telling my grandma one year like she wouldn't have my mom over for Christmas and she was so mad and blah 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 and I said grandma you don't have to get matching sweaters you just got to tolerate her being at Christmas mm -hmm. and she was like okay fine so then she let her come for Christmas and didn't talk to her. But that's just my fun story about Grandma Joy that uh, I tried my whole life to like get them to work it out. And anyway, so it was really beautiful at the very end um, for my grandma to finally say enough is enough. This is my daughter. And they never talked about it. They never went through like why they were mad at each other. They just decided to drop it and she let my mom help take care of her and come over and chat with her. And I could tell sometimes my grandma was just kind of putting up with it at times, you know, but the fact that she finally at the end decided that love was more important and family was more important than her grudge or her upset or her resentment was what mattered in the end. So, well, yeah, I love the questions you're saying, Annie, and let's just wrap up with these because I think they're so awesome. I think when you are thinking about how do I love my enemy, I think you also need to think of the questions of like, what is it costing me to hang on to this hate or resentment, right? Or like, what's the payoff? Yeah. I mean, have I been, have I been able to let it go before? Could I do it again? Yeah. And I think you have to really ask yourself, do you trust the savior? He said he's going to take it. Do you believe him? Do you trust that he really will take this for you? Yeah. And I think as you kind of journey along on that, thanks for journeying along on mine today. <laughs> I processed a lot. I hope all of you are forgiving of anything that I may have said. Please don't send this to anyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyone on my side is fine. <laughs> But I love you guys so much. Uh, we're so thankful for you. We are not your enemies and we're thankful we're not your enemies. We're thankful to have you as friends and listeners and we appreciate your time and just, we love you. You sure do. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye.
Thanks for being here today. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to leave a review and five-star rating. And come hang out with us and join our community at our new Instagram at notyourmamas.rs.